Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Vookcast, Australia's Nintendo podcast. My name's Angelo Valdivia, and with me this week are Oliver Brandt. G'day, folks. Luke Henderson. Howdy, howdy. And making his Vookcast debut, Chris Lorne. Hello, hello. <laughs> uh, we've got a great episode lined up for you this week, all about two of Nintendo's biggest games getting trailers this week, how well Animal Crossing New Horizons really sold in 2020, and a discussion about Nintendo anniversary events. But first, let's kick things off with some sad news for those looking to do some traveling in the earlier parts of this year. Super Nintendo World's grand opening has officially been delayed again. So for those who have been up to date with Super Nintendo World. Uh, it was originally set to debut uh, in mid last year alongside the Olympics in Tokyo, but unfortunately it got pushed back due to the everlasting coronavirus pandemic that's sweeping the whole world. And uh, things seem to be steadily continuing in that pace at the moment with Super Nintendo World. Um, meant to be opening up for uh, for real this time uh, on February 4th, but a state of de- emergency has been declared um, as of Thursday, the 14th of January, so a few days ago in Osaka, J- uh, Japan. At this point, a new date is looking to be set after the 7th of February when the state of emergency is meant to be lifted. So at the moment, we just don't know when anything is really going to be opening up there. Um, don't know if there's anything else to add to this story. Does anyone have anything else they want to say? No, I mean, I've got a friend. He's been there twice. He was invited to attend uh, before Christmas and just after. Um, so the land is done. It's ready to accept people. Uh, but it's just because of the sheer number of people that would would descend on the park. It's not safe for them to open it. So that's the reason they're delaying it. It's not because the land is incomplete or, or you know, needs more time. It's literally just concern about numbers. And as we know as well by watching the the trailer that came out a couple of weeks ago with Shigeru Miyamoto, um, it's a very tactile uh, park as well. You're touching things and hitting things with your hands and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, the yep. Mario Kart ride, you're wearing a mask and all this kind of stuff. So it is a very tactile, touchy-feely kind of place. And there are a lot of a lot of dangers with that at the moment, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, but some exciting news though. Let's go, let's go into some Bowser's Fury news. So for those who are been paying attention to New Super Mario World, sorry, New Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Um, a new trailer came out last week showing off a whole bunch of interesting stuff uh, that's going on with this game. Um, so I'm just going to hand all this off to someone else, either, either Ollie or Luke or even Chris, if any of you guys want to take this one over. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take this one. Um, mainly because I was the one reporting on it at two in the morning. Um, uh, so we have a, a trailer for Bowser's Fury now, which is sort of the the additional content. Um, think um, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition's Future Connected extra segment or the extra um, missions in um, Pikmin 3. Um, but it's a sort of new side adventure um, that you can, you know, start from the very beginning. You don't have to go into 3D world first. You can just... Go straight to Bowser's Fury if you like. Um, And it has uh, Mario teaming up with Bowser Jr. to sort of stop the the, the King Bowser himself from destroying everything because he's been transformed by some evil goop by the looks of it. Um, uh, It's got a a big open world to explore, which is kind of like um, Odyssey, and we'll touch on that in just a little bit. Um, And has you collecting um, cat shines. Um, Cat shines? yeah, cat shines. So these are, <laughs> they are sort of, you know, shines, which is like the first time since, um, sunshine, sunshine. Super Mario sunshine. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Um, I don't know if or how it, it ties into sunshine, but given the Bowser Jr. is there, I would say it, you know, it's definitely possible. Um, <clears throat> it is only two player multiplayer. 
um, which was confirmed on the uh, uh, the website. Um, which is different so to there's no which is different to yeah, the Super Mario 3D World games. Super Mario 3D World um, does have full four player multiplayer throughout the entire um, game, and um, on the the Switch version even has uh, online for for all of that as well. Um, we don't know if there's online for um, uh, Bowser's Fury. Um, I would expect probably not. Um, but yeah, only two player multiplayer with one person as Mario and the other as Bowser Jr. who looks to be more of a sort of Cappy style helper rather than like a, a full playable character um, just from the trailer that we saw. And um, this game doesn't seem to... It introduces Mega Cat Mario. I was going to say, this, guy, yeah, this game on. also seems to be a little more narrative focused in that regard. I mean, if, if you're playing as Bowser Jr., there's probably reasons for that within the, the gameplay and the story itself, whereas um, 3D World and... No, it was just 3D World. 3D Land was single player, but 3D World, um, you know, there wasn't really narrative focus, so you could just kind of sprawl out and do your own things or whatever and just reach the end, which is the main goal. Yeah, it very much looks like, almost like it could have been DLC for Super Mario Odyssey. Um, I can basically one of their worlds, um, yeah, but obviously with its own little contained story from start, uh, like a start, middle and end. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I mean that's the thing. Like we know, we know that like Odyssey, obviously, um, Odyssey didn't have any sort of power ups or anything like that. Um, so you know, this does deviate a little bit um from that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's very possible that this is sort of running on the Odyssey engine. Um, to say, uh, so basically, they built a brand new um Mario 3D engine for Super Mario 3D World. Um, when that first launched on the Wii U. Um, which was then sort of updated and adapted for the Switch for use with Odyssey um, using some other um, Nintendo middleware and extra stuff that they used in, in things like Breath of the Wild, just like APIs and stuff that they plugged into this um, engine. Um, and yeah, now, uh, you know, I would say it's probably likely that 3D World itself was um, sort of forward ported to that, that updated enhanced version that they used for Odyssey. Um, which probably has allowed them to to do this uh, this Bowser's Fury kind of thing because it is like a, a proper open world area by the looks of it, um, and it does look and feel very um, Odyssey like. Yeah, yeah the one open. thing that I'm that I'm kind of curious about with this is how big and how long it will last. Um, like it, it, it seems to be that it, it is more or less like one sort of environment, one sort of world from Super Mario uh, Odyssey. And like, depending on how much, you know, you're trying to do collectibles and things like that, um, kind of dictates how long you spend in those worlds. Could be like an hour, could be five or six hours. So I'm curious to know how long Bowser's Fury uh, is compared to um, Super Mario 3 World proper. Yeah, I probably wouldn't expect much from it. Um, mm. it. It does seem like it's going to be a smaller sort of additional thing. Um the way I've been looking at it is that like, you know, if we compare it to the other stuff that Nintendo has done for their, their re-releases, so like the most recent one being Pikmin 3, um, it wasn't a lot of extra content. It was, you know, maybe three or four hours of extra content. Um, and then look back even a little bit further to um, Xenoblade Chronicles with its future connected chapter that was about 10 hours, but it's, you know, a 120-hour game before that. So, um, you know, we can probably expect it to be, you know, at least a couple hours. Um Hmm. If not, well, (laughs) you know, it could end up being like, you know, this 12 hour experience that, you know, rivals the original game. But I I feel for like, uh, 
a re-release, it's probably not going to be that. Well, the benefit of this thing as well is that it is an extra that's included in uh, New Super Mario 3D World, which is already a pretty big game and the added bonus now being able to play online with people, um, which wasn't possible in the original game. And, you know, playing with four players is already pretty hectic and, and can take a while as it is. And being able to play it online now can add to that experience too. Um, but I'm sorry, I've, I did interrupt like probably the biggest selling point that you mentioned before ollie about five minutes ago that there is mega cat mario which is basically just super saiyan cat mario yeah it's the best thing that, that i think has ever <laughs> happened to mario honestly um, <laughs> the best just a big cat mario he turns into like this giant ass lion um that so makes good. him look like a super saiyan um oh man just the jokes that were sort of like on and around Twitter when that <laughs> happened. Um, just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. The, the best one that I've for that came from uh, Nintendan. He put out Super Saiyan Nyan, being N-Y-A-N <laughs> at the end, because that's Japanese for cat. Nice. So, and that's then I, I put out in the world, Kama Kama Meow. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right. Um, let's, hand, let's, let's move on to the next topic. So, I'll handball this one over to Luke now. Let, tell us about Animal Crossing sales. Yeah, so um, gamesindustry.biz put out the sort of 2020 compendium for sales data for Australia the other day, uh, and it turns out the best-selling game in the country for 2020 was Animal Crossing, um, beating out Grand, Series, uh, Grand, Series of Grand Theft Auto, uh, <laughs> Call of Duty, NBA, you know, all the games that everyone buys sort of yearly. Um, what makes this number... Uh, the position even more impressive is the fact that Nintendo don't disclose digital sale numbers, sales numbers. So they could have only sold 10 copies digitally, but on physical alone, Animal Crossing beat out all the other games, including their, their digital copies. So for example, uh, Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops 4, uh, Black Ops Cold War, whatever it was called, um, that came in at number four. That includes the five platforms, so the five platforms, so PC, PS4, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PlayStation 5, and four of those were retail. So there's nine different ways of buying that game, and Animal Crossing on retail alone beat it. It is an impressive thing that it, that it did. Um, but also bear in mind that the game came out in March as well, so it's had like that huge lead time of being able to sell pretty well. I mean, that also gives it an advantage, wouldn't you say? It does. I mean, the second best-selling game of the year was Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yeah, okay. So, um, the num- that was, a, you know, sort of all over the place. Um, Cyberpunk 2077 came in at number seven um, so in terms of best-selling of the year. But the fact that Animal Crossing is just physical, whereas the rest all have digital, is pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the Switch is also the number one selling console in Australia last year, uh, selling 88% more Switch consoles in 2020 as opposed to 2019. Um, again, we don't know the, the breakdown of numbers and it's highly unlikely we'll ever get them, but it, it's an interesting sort of number. Um, and the other point that it, that's kind of cool is that um, they sold 110% more Joy-Con controllers last year than they did the year before. <laughs> it's all that Joy-Con drift, right? <laughs> well, that that all, you know, people just playing multiplayer games in yeah, the house because they couldn't go anywhere. I was just being pedantic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's it's no secret that the the worldwide pandemic really you know uh gave this one a leg up into making making animal crossing like an absolute phenomenon it was already set to do pretty well but the fact that people were just re- you know stuck at home uh and it was it, it had a, a pretty yeah, maybe pretty solid 
online uh, experience isn't the right way to go about it, but it had an online experience that people could connect with uh, other people through, which also helped. So I guess this wasn't yep. really much of a surprise, but the fact that it was, it's the physical the retail copies that have sold the most, like that's incredible in itself. Yeah, and that that's sort of the, the really big thing is Nintendo, they generally have a pretty long sort of shelf life with games like Mario Kart showing it here. Um, its numbers went up. I actually did have that in the article, uh, which is on the site. So if you want to check that out, you can. Um, but Mario Kart 8 sold a lot more this year than it had previously for obvious reasons. Everyone's stuck at home. But again, they don't include digital sales in these numbers. So for it to, you know, be up there with the Call of Duties and the Grand, Th- uh, Grand Theft Autos and all that sort of stuff and FIFA, you know, FIFA mm-hmm. was on every platform and, it, you know, it sells yearly pretty well. And for Animal Crossing and Mario Kart to sort of beat FIFA is is also a big thing. So. I think something that's interesting that we'll probably never find out about is uh, how many subscriptions Nintendo has sold for Nintendo Online. I think that'll be really interesting to find out how many people have bought these games and then taken them online, things like Mario Kart and stuff like that, and whether or not they're buying um, single uh, subscriptions for themselves or they're jumping into family groups and stuff. I know I maintain a family group myself, so. I think they they did have, they put some numbers out in the, the last fiscal they talked about the Nintendo Switch Online okay. subscribers. Um, so if we get an update on that in February, we might have an idea. But again, they don't break it down by region. They just say sort of how many people they've got globally. So it's not really going to give us too much information, sadly. Yeah. Sorry, Chris, we, we were talking to you. You going to say something? Um, yeah. No, I was uh, just going to ask. Um, this doesn't include uh, secondhand sales either, does it? It's just... Brand new sales, like in the just numbers. brand new sales. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, not even um, pre-owned copies. But mm. yeah. All right, let's move on to another exciting trailer. One that I was very pumped about, which is new new Pokemon Snap. Now, this is probably my biggest uh, anticipated game for the year that we know about at the moment. Uh, last episode, or yeah, it was last episode. We we're talking about games that we hope will come out this year, but are probably unlikely at this point. But new Pokemon Snap is definitely one uh, that I'm very excited about. I don't know about you guys, um, but uh, Ollie or someone else, does anyone else want to talk about this one some more? I mean, I'm happy to do it again because again, I was <laughs> yeah, I was covering it when it when it happened. Yep. Um, so new Pokemon Snap. Um, it was revealed last year. Um, and it's releasing on the 30th of April, which is so soon. Um, I was not expecting it for like maybe July, August, um, at the earliest. So yeah, I was thinking it was going to um, be later on in the year. Very, very exciting. Um, so they released a new trailer for it, um, showing off the new region, which is called the, the lentil region, uh, lentil. Um, it's a bit of a weird name. Um, not sure I particularly like that. Um, <laughs> it, it's a camera it has, um, See, I thought it was like a, a yeah, it has, pun. I thought it was talking about lentils. <laughs> uh, Vuk said to me that um, you can only imagine the, uh, the the top of door frames as your thing that is called a lentil. Um, anyway, it, it's a weird name. Um, uh, <laughs> but it has over 200 Pokemon across all eight generations to take pictures of. Um, we don't know the exact number. We just know over 200. Um, and it has you as the player, um, which is particularly not Todd Snap, um, totally new player character. Um, uh, has you explore a new phenomenon called Illumina, um, which is causing Pokemon to glow. And we saw a little bit of that in the trailer at the end with um, my second favorite Pokemon, Meganium, glowing. Um, he's also like right on the box art, which is very exciting because nobody <laughs> ever cares about Meganium. Um, <laughs> 
Chikorita, on the other hand, people know Chikorita is from Megandian, you're right. Yeah. But Lower like tier. we didn't even see Chikorita in the trailer, so <laughs> Yeah. Um, so there's a new professor, there's no more Todd Snap, and it is completely separate from the Nintendo 64 game. Um, so you won't be visiting any of the same regions. Uh, professor Oak probably isn't going to make much of an appearance, and if he does, it'll probably be just like a cameo. Um, and, you know, something that's a little bit exciting is that you um, get to customize your character a little bit. Um, and so far, we've only seen like sort of the beginning screen where you get to pick what your hair and skin color looks like. Um, you know, maybe we'll have different hairstyles and clothes and stuff that you can get. Maybe not. I, I don't know. But it's always good to to be able to have different characters and, and you know, make it look like yourself because representation is super important. Mm. I do I do I do want to point out the, the professor's name is Professor Mirror. And that's yes. also another camera related pun. Yeah. Absolutely. So they're having some fun with their names. <laughs> um it's uh interesting that they've taken Todd Snap out, I think at least. Um just completely mm. like and not just having him included in some form, whether or not it's just like mentioned as this legendary photographer who got a photo of Mew or something like that, you know, spoilers for the first game, I guess. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's also a little bit of a shame that it's completely separated from the first game because, um, you know, the first game was just a, a really special, completely different uh, take on the Pokemon franchise um, that I think really succeeded well um, and definitely has its own little cult following and things like that. Um, I mean, if, if you remember with the original Pokemon Snap, you could take your game card into Blockbuster and have your photos printed off on that fancy machine they had. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And you could get the little stickers. You could stick them on yeah. your pencil case and stuff. Yeah. Um, what's what's going on with Todd Snap? Is he even in the anime at this point? I feel like he's just disappeared for the last 20 years. Uh, I don't think we've seen him really since like that one appearance in the anime, which was like six months after the game came out. So, yeah. you know, maybe he'll make an appearance here. Maybe, you know, he'll be the, the final boss. You have to have a, a snap off against Todd Snap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That could be it. Um, Get the scoop. Maybe, maybe he took photos of the Pokemon Mafia and... I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> now, now he's sleeping with the insert fish-related Pokemon yeah. name here. The Squirtle Squad had him whacked. Still, what happened? Chris, did you play the original Pokemon Snap games? Uh, yes, yeah, I loved it when I was a kid. It was the kind of uh, led me into photography in a in a sense, as it was. Um, yeah, um, it looks like the new game is drawing on some of the uh, stuff from the original game, like the the fruit the apples is in there so mm-hmm. like they're definitely pulling in some elements from it so you know um likely that some that todd snap may show up at some point or <laughs> yeah. yeah um something that's it's interesting here uh is that it features over 200 pokemon which is way more than the original pokemon snap i mean the original one came out when there was only 150 pokemon 151 and i think it only had about 60 pokemon they're about 60 or 62 or something like that um and this one has over 200 which is which is quite a lot um so i'd imagine in scope this game is probably bigger has more levels probably longer levels um the whole thing about pokemon snap is the replayability so you go back you get new items you get the poker flute all these types of things and you can sort of engage with pokemon in new ways and get them to pose differently so i think that adds to well, hopefully we'll add to this game as well, make it even more of an interesting game. And the, the shareability, now being able to actually take screenshots and things and, and upload them will probably help as well. So I'm really looking forward to this game. This game looks... Yeah. This game is so going to be all over Twitter. <laughs> yeah, oh, hope, I hope so. If not, I'll definitely try. There'll probably be even Instagram <laughs> accounts and stuff like that dedicated to it. Oh, yeah. Fingers crossing that 
you you know it's it just does motion controls oh, for, yes. for the switch because i remember playing it with the stick on the 64 and you know it's fine but now we've got motion control so um i mean we got a taste of it with um the labo camera what two years ago now right. so if if they do motion controllers on this it could be a lot of fun yeah and when the when the game actually came to we use virtual console there's that word again um <laughs> yeah being able to use the gamepad um it's a disappoint it's disappointing that they you know didn't have that baked into the game i mean i know it's a straight emulation of the nintendo 64 game but to at least be able to have the functionality of using tilt controls with the gamepad or something would have been great but you know oh well but yeah very excited so Coming out on April 30th, very, very soon. Uh, pre-order is available now and you can also pre-order it with the Nintendo Online Voucher, which is great because mine expires in March. So I'll definitely be using that. Very excited. Um, let's get into our featured discussion for this, this episode. So um, for those who are paying attention to Nintendo news late last year, you'd be uh, familiar with uh, the, Ninten- the, sorry, the Super Mario 35th anniversary that was widely talked about throughout 2020 and then only really sort of got acknowledgement from Nintendo in the later portion of 2020. Um, but they finally you know, made their announcements and then all their timed releases of some of these games that are expiring at the end of March 31, which we've talked about at length in previous episodes and stuff. But something that I wanted to bring up as a discussion after last week, though, um, is whether or not uh, anniversary events are becoming irrelevant. And the reason why I ask this is because um, it seems to be that these anniversaries are sort of uh, perpetuated by fans at first. And then it seems like Nintendo kind of catches on with it afterwards. By the looks of things, people are kind of like, oh, next year is going to be this anniversary. And then lots of there's a lot of discussion and things like that about it. And then, you know, we all make these expectations about, oh, they've got to release this, this collection of games or something like that. And then, you know, it takes like six months for Nintendo to sort of say something. So I wonder if Nintendo is even sort of reactionary to these kinds of things or not. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just looking into it a bit too much. But um like, for example, in 2010, we had um, Super Mario's 25th anniversary. And then last year, we had the 35th anniversary. This year was is Zelda's 35th anniversary and Pokemon's 25th anniversary. And for example, um, uh, we're talking about fans perpetuating the actual anniversaries themselves. Um, we Late last year, people were already anticipating that there would be some, 30, some Zelda 35th anniversary sort of things happening. And again, Nintendo hasn't responded to that at all. And even last episode, I made a prediction that if there is going to be a 35th anniversary, there'd be like a Zelda collection of some sort, much like the 3D All-Stars release that we got at the end of last year. So, you know, it remains to be seen whether or not Nintendo actually does a 35th anniversary um, you know, event themselves or anything like that. But Pokemon's 25th is definitely something that they're paying attention to because um, as we're about to talk about a little more, um, Katy Perry is teaming up with the Pokemon company and marketing the series' 25th anniversary with their own sort of products and things like that as well. So I kind of want to throw it out to you guys. How do you feel about this? Do you think the, the anniversaries are becoming irrelevant or do you think they're just more perpetuated by fans or do you think that they're, they're still going to be something we're going to be seeing well into the future? Do we see like a Mario's 50th anniversary? Um, so just sort of from a marketing standpoint, it, it sort of makes sense that they'd continue to do this. Um, Nintendo is a company that cares a lot about its legacy. And we see that a lot with, um, you know, how they, they, you know, are kind of relentless going against like piracy and, and stuff like that for games that they haven't sold in, you know, 20 years. Um, but they care about, about the legacy of their products. Um, so things like, you know, celebrating anniversaries, like I, I don't really 
think it's it's all that necessary for them to do that, but it's an easy win in marketing to to you know hype people up and get people excited about a product that otherwise might not be you know that talked uh, that well talked about. Um, having said that, um, you know Pokemon Twenty Fifth is looking to be pretty massive. Um, you know, as the, as well as Katy Perry, there's also like other um, artists that are um, contributing to that. Um, there's like a big music project that's basically like a a mini recording label that is is all about like celebrating the the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. Um, but there's also like from the the PR and um, Cerebi.net tweeted this out. Um, there are 25th anniversary col- uh, collaborations with um, Build-A-Bear, Levi's, McDonald's, General Mills. Jarwoods, which I've never heard of before. Um, <laughs> Scholastic, Mattel, Funko, Parry, and The One Company. Apparently heaps more as well. Um, so they're really going all out on this in even a bigger way than they did in, in um, 2016 with the 20th anniversary. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if it's, if it's just a marketing thing or, you know, if you know Game Freak and the Pokemon Company and Nintendo really actually care that, you know, they actually made it a a quarter of a century, which I think is pretty big. Um, but then like, you know, what's the difference between 20 years and 25 years really? Like how come all of this stuff didn't come out in 2016? Well, even 25th um, and 35th though. I mean, like if, yeah. that, that's one of the points that I had written here as well. Like is, is a 35th anniversary, even a milestone? No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that's the thing. It's, it's not, um, but like now it's sort of like Nintendo set a precedent too. Like, you know, Mario is one of their, their big hitter franchises and Zelda is as well. Um, they put, you know, a bunch of products out, but um, Mario's 35th and it's going to look real bad if they don't do the same for Zelda. Um, mm. uh, but then like Metroid's 35th is this year as well, right? Right. Um, and, and or 30th or something like that. And, and that's like, your, yeah. Where do you draw the line on that? Like, you know, this is a, a company that's been around for a long time making these franchises for a long time. And that's the other um, point that I wanted to make is like, do we expect yeah. to see any other ones? We we didn't get a, a Kitty Chris one. We didn't get a Kirby one. Uh, we haven't gotten a Metroid one, as far as we know. Uh, there's not even a Donkey Kong one, which was the franchise yeah. that kicked off Nintendo as a video game company. So, I mean, yeah, go on, Mike. I was just say, like, a lot of the, the stuff that they would, they would do is, for Nintendo, it's pretty easy. They can come up with a few things and, and you know, put it out there and set it off. And then the fans take it and run with it. And, you know, it'd be like the equivalent of buying 10 balloons and you give it to the fans and you come back an hour later and you've got 2,000. So it doesn't really take much effort on Nintendo's part to push the celebration out there. That's what the fans will do. Exactly. Um, so I, th- I think for them, they're going to they'd look at it as it's a pretty easy win to get people talking about their content. Um, and if they happen to do a few things like the, the 3D All-Stars or the, the Game & Watch... You know, it might take a bit of time and money on their side, but the return is going to be that, you know, people are going to be talking about that for 6.3 months until they, they terminate it. So um, I think just for them, it's just easy. And any any time they can do it, it's just going to make business sense to do so. Whether or not they believe in these events, I don't think that's the case um, because I like to think Nintendo think their properties are evergreen all the time, that, you know, they don't need the 35th event of Zelda to talk about Zelda. Um yeah. Well, like I suppose it is what it is. Back in the 25th anniversaries for both Mario and Zelda, they kind of went all out with it. Like with with the 25th, they re-released Super Mario All Stars in a, a really sad way. They basically put a ROM on a disc and charged everyone 80 bucks for it. 
But for Zelda's 25th anniversary, though, they did do the Symphony of the Goddess constant stuff, which is a completely different experience, completely detached to, to other things that they do. And that went on for a couple of years. You know, that concept went on for a few years afterwards. So there, there are moments where Nintendo really does make the effort for some of their f- franchises. But again, like they only do it for some of their franchises, not all of their franchises. And I wonder if that's because it's the fans that set an expectation for it. They see it coming ahead of time and they they start the conversation for it and then Nintendo reacts to that. They see it as a marketing opportunity that they can you know pounce on. Or is it something that, that Nintendo is sort of planning to do anyway? It's like, do they, were they already planning the 35th anniversary two years ago, for example, or anything like that? I don't know. Chris, how do you feel well, about I mean, that's oh, the thing, sorry. right? Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, I would say, like, you know, if it was entirely up to the fans, you know, when these anniversary things happen, then we'd have gotten, you know, Mother 3 (laughs) 20 years ago. Right. That's a good Um, point. So maybe not entirely fan focused. Yeah. Chris, what about you? How do you feel about this kind of thing? Yeah, I feel like it's it's just something that is um, opportunistic almost. Like, if something is in the works already that, you know, they're working on, like, obviously, um, you know, they were working on the Mario All-Stars collection. So uh, last year that got released and that ended up lining up with the 35th anniversary. So, hey, let's celebrate. But, um, yeah, just it's more of a, yeah, well, like everyone else has said, that um, it's just an easy win for marketing pretty much. Mm, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd like to see them do it more aligned with the birthdays, you know, 18, 21 are sort of big birthdays, depending on what country you are in the world. Um, you know, and then 40 sort of the next one, 25, I can, I can sort of let slide because well, quarter century. You know, for anything to hit a quarter of a century is, is a pretty big sort of deal. Um, but you know, for 35, that's just a bizarre thing. I thought like, so you too. Know, yeah. What's, what's next? Pokemon's 27th. <laughs> anniversary yeah. the 27th and eight month anniversary like <laughs> they've got to draw the line somewhere and i think they really need to to pick and choose when they're going to celebrate not to say you know if they have plans for zelda's 35th or, or metroid's 35th um that it won't be you know some some good stuff or good times for fans but you know do we really need a celebratory tweet from from nintendo's twitter accounts for metroid's 35th is that you know is that really going to make it Special, we would get that anyway. You know, we, 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 everyone does these, you know, today, you know, 35 years ago, you know, da 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 released, you know. Yeah. So I don't know if we need to, to hype up specific random years as celebratory events when, you know, we could do that in, on our own. Um, but yeah, the 25th, the 40th, the 50th, things like that, I'm happy to celebrate those. Yeah, the more milestone years, the more significant jumps in time, I think make more sense. And like if they didn't do they didn't do a 25th anniversary for, for Metroid, but if they did a 35th, I think that would make a little more sense because it hasn't had its time. But I think, I think Mario's 35th was a real stretch to me personally. I think it would have been if, if the pandemic hadn't happened and they had a, like kicked it off at the start of the year and we actually had like the, you know, the full year's worth of sort of releases, maybe it would have been different. Hmm. Um, but I think because everything got sort of shoved into the last three months, so to speak, of the year, I think it just felt rushed. Yeah. Sorry, Ollie. Yeah. The other thing is that like if, um, you know, if this strategy is, is really good for them and they have, you know, people buying way more on anniversary years than outside of anniversary years. I also worry a little bit that, like, um, release dates will be focused more around when they can maximize, you know, anniversary celebrations. So, you know, they could finish, um, you know, a Zelda game, for example, um, in, you know, 20, 2018. 
but then you know uh, the the anniversary is coming up in twenty twenty one, so let's just sit on that for for three years. Um, and obviously, that's not what's happened. I'm not suggesting that like you know Breath of the Wild two was done in twenty eighteen, um, but like I, I know that it would be uh, specifically with like re releases, like um you know three D World and like other Wii U re releases, um like we know that there's a good chance that these things are already in the works and have been in the works for a while. Um, so, you know, the, the possibility of them having been finished and then just holding off until the anniversary to, to maximize, um, sort of anniversary hype is, is, uh, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable to think that they might do that. Mm. Um, and I suppose, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes if we get Zelda games this year. Well, I have to point something out, Ollie. Sorry, yeah. you just talked about them holding on th- onto things until anniversaries. That Metroid Prime trilogy thing has been circling for years. It's the yeah, 35th I mean, anniversary the this year. Uh, like, mm. the, the Metroid Prime trilogy has been like people, like insiders and and you know other people that I've spoken to that would sort of know these things have have said you know since you know early 2018. You know it's definitely happening in the next six months, and then here we are. So. Well, um, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe they'd be sat on it for three years. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and going to that as well, I mean, Nintendo isn't, you know, they're not unfamiliar to the idea of, of finishing a game and holding it for an extended period of time. I mean, they had Star Fox 2 and then cancelled development on that for 20 years and then finally released it with the SNES Mini. And then um, they've got a Pikmin game they've been sitting, or they did have a Pikmin game, one of those two. Was it the 3DS Pikmin game that finished and then they just held onto it for years or is that Pikmin 4? That supposedly, according to rumors, has been Pikmin finished for a while. Four was like Pikmin Four was like ninety five percent finished apparently, um, and we just haven't seen it yet. Right. So the, um, yeah, so Nintendo's no stranger to sort of holding like, onto games. The other thing is like New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. Um, we know sort of from the metadata on the eShop that like the entire game, um, like the that version version one was uploaded to the eShop eleven months before it launched. Wow. Um, I didn't so know it was that. just sitting on the eShop servers for 11 months, just waiting for, you know, whenever they had an open window to launch a game. Um, so, you know, we know that they do some things well in advance. Um, Someone just set the publish time to 11 months ahead of time. It was like, oh, geez, we've got to wait now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like they finished this game and they're just like, well, you know, we don't have a release window where we could really, you know, fit that in. Um, and obviously this was like sort of the 2017, 2018 area that, um, was absolutely packed with releases. Um, not so much anymore, though. Yeah. Um, All right. Any 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 closing comments on this one before we move on? None um, from I me. Just I've, say, I've said my piece. <laughs> yeah, I will just say you know, um, it, it's it's fine for us to celebrate celebrate these things. Like we like we can say you know oh, this is just a marketing exercise or whatever. But like I love Mario and I love Zelda and I love Pokemon, so I'm gonna definitely be exciting like be excited about all these things um but you know just probably be aware that they're doing this to make money yeah probably. well that's it right we, we can celebrate it without having to spend like a hundred or two hundred dollars on more nintendo stuff yeah. like i you know i got caught up in the hype last year and, and bought the the stupid game of <laughs> that was, oh, i didn't <laughs> want to say it. i didn't want to say it <laughs> but you know i got all caught up in the hype when i got that and like now that's sitting on my shelf and i haven't touched it since the day i opened the box but like you know, it's it's easy to get caught up in these things, but just you know, think about things that like are going to be long lasting experiences. Because um, I think you're going to get more out of celebrating the anniversary with things that you can remember with other people. Yeah, not fair enough. I mean, the, the worst case scenario is that yeah, you spent money on it, but now you got a cool little like you know digital clock that's like a yeah. one of a kind kind of a thing. So 
Cool. All right, let's move into some games that we're playing. Uh, Chris, let's throw it over to you first. You can you can start us off. What games have you been playing? Uh, well, uh, just one I want to shout out is a game called Tenderfoot Tactics. It's only on Steam currently, but it's an open-world tactics game. Um, it's really... It's got a really interesting way that uh, classes are handled. Um, you can switch between them at any time and uh, move skills across from each class and all that kind of thing. So it's really interesting. Um, it's got a very interesting art style. Just, uh, yeah, one Google of uh, screenshots for that will show you just how cool it looks. But, um, uh, yeah, I really hope this comes to Switch one day because this is the perfect type of game to sit down and... and uh, get lost in but um yeah fans of fire emblem obviously and that kind of thing definitely one for them for sure cool awesome yeah. all right uh luke what about you i've been playing and then <laughs> oh sorry. Uh, unfortunately all the games i'm playing are all embargoed at the moment so i literally can't talk about them of course i just read it there so. as soon as i said it that was dumb <laughs> i'm sorry uh, ollie what about you what have you been playing um, so I've been finishing off Immortals Phoenix Rising. My uh, review for that just went up the other day. Um, I only just found out like before I, I like the day before I published the review, um, that it has like full cross save functionality. So you can just upload oh, nice. your save data on like switch and then pick it up on PS4 and yeah, that's, play it wherever you want. That's, um, that's just a general, just general Ubisoft so thing, right? Like Ubisoft is, is allowing people to do that through their own servers. If you have an Ubisoft account, you could yeah. just cross save. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I know you can do that with, uh, with Assassin's Creed as well. If you play on Xbox and you upload to the, you know, to Ubisoft's cloud servers or whatever, you can continue playing on like a PlayStation or a PC or something, which is yeah. awesome. So, uh, yeah, I, I switched over to the PS4 pro version of the game. Um, just to sort of get that 100% um, because it's an amazing game and I need to finish it. Nice. Um, I've also been playing um, Mad Rat Dead, um, which is a game that sort of released late last year to very little fanfare. Um, it's this absolutely incredible uh, rhythm-based platformer game that's kind of like Crypt of the Necro uh, Dancer if it was a platformer, uh, like a side-scrolling platformer. <laughs> Um, just absolutely fantastic game. Um, and I love rhythm games, so it was an easy buy for me. Um, I think the reason it probably got a little bit underappreciated was because it cost $60 for a very indie looking game. Um, so, you know, it, it sort of happens that a lot of people are turned off from the price. I think it's worth $60. Um, but having said that, I also bought it for $45 because <laughs> it was on sale for $45. Um, I mean, you, you play as a zombie rat in the yeah. game. So, I mean, like, if that doesn't draw you in, I don't know what's going <laughs> to. Um, and it was actually, so many, it, like, like, weird characters like that. Yeah, what were you saying? It was designed by somebody, too. Like, the lead designer is big. Um, uh, I think it was Dengan Roper, that series. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it's like if you're fans of Danganronpa, this visual style, not the gameplay, the visual style <laughs> yeah. is um, is similar. Interesting. Um, I can also just like briefly mention that I've been playing Persona 5 Strikers and we've got a preview for that up on the website, but I literally can't say a thing more than that because uh, Sega will get mad at me. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I've been playing uh, some more Final Fantasy IX. I'm really, really enjoying that game. I am enjoying this one way more than Final Fantasy VIII. And it's interesting because Final Fantasy VIII seems to be the de facto, like, 
Final Fantasy game that people like go to if uh, outside of Final Fantasy VII. Like Final Fantasy VII is like the, the one of the most regarded Final Fantasy games in the series. But if you're not a fan a fan of that one, you step over to Final Fantasy VIII. But I found Final Fantasy VIII just such a slog. I really I, I, it was fine. I I enjoyed it somewhat. But like the story just made it was me- the magic draft system, wasn't it? It was terrible. Oh, it was that, but also the story was absolutely nonsensical whatsoever. <laughs> there was an emperor You're looking from- for sense in a story from Final Fantasy. Well, seven and fifteen-ish sort of made sense, kind of, but like eight was just nonsense. Like if it was this this. Uh, sorceress from the future who's like screwing with things in the past and she's like controlling this girl in the past and like she's doing other things to affect another future and it's just like oh it made no sense to me i I hated it and then the the drama that was going on between them is such like anime teen angst drama it's like this is so dumb but final fantasy 9 though like absolutely slaps this game is so good like it goes right back to its fantasy roots which is so much more enjoyable um the world is just so much so much richer i think um it's just so much easier to understand what's going on and who the characters are and the even the characters design is just so much more distinct i did like the visual design of of a i thought it looked really cool uh with the sort of techno future kind of thing contrasted to final fantasy 7 which is a lot more steampunk or or diesel punk i'll point point out to um i saw it the other day uh hironobu sakaguchi put out a screenshot of his new rpg um it is a mobile game um, I don't know. I don't know what the name of it's called, um, but yeah, that's out there. So, so he's making games still. Um, so, if you're interested in that, I'm, I'm going to try and find the name of it quickly. Um, but yeah, it, it looks cool. It kind of looks like the old school sort of top-down RPGs from the PlayStation One era, just like Ooh. you know, nice visuals and everything. So, is it like pre-rendered yeah. sort of environments like those Final Fantasy games, or uh, not really? Um, okay. Because I'm finding I'm, I'm uh, really cool. appreciating like the pre-rendered kind of uh, environments things a lot more than big, grandiose, like, you know, super high-res, intricately detailed, 3D modeled ones. I, I really like just the, the crispness of of uh, these sort of 2D ones. It's yeah, a, it's called really like Fantasin, the game. It's, it's, it's sort of like a, a testament to like working with limitations because like it's not as if like they wanted to have, you know, those pre-rendered yeah. backgrounds and all of that stuff like that. It was just like this is what we can afford to do with the hardware that we've got. But if it just um what I appreciate about about Final Fantasy Nine though, um is just that like how hard they lean into the premise of it. Um, they're just like, yeah, here's some like weirdo circus trash people. Let's go. Circus trash? Um, oh my god, Ollie. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I mean that's kind of what they are. They are professional traveling thespians. They travel on a theater ship. A theater ship. That's a great yeah. idea. There's, I love the idea yeah, of a theater ship. It's usually reserved for like I mean, carnivals. There are theater ships everywhere. They're just known as cruise ships these days. Yeah, you're right, you're right. But I, as soon as I open with that, I'm like, oh, this game speaks to me. But yeah, uh Luke, the screen that you just sent us in the Discord, um, Fantasian is probably what it's called, almost sounds a little bit like a slur when you kind of say it like that, that title. Mm. Fantasian. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but the other game that I've also been playing, which I reviewed for Vox last week, is Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, The Game. So, came out in 2010, got absolutely whipped off of its um, its digital platforms in like 2013 or 2014. It was just lost to the world up until uh, late 2020. Um, another, another sort of um, anniversary that came up was the 10th anniversary of the last book of the series coming out and the film itself coming out and the game. And... Um, uh, people were sort of reaching out to Brian Lee 
Brian Lee O'Malley. Yeah, that's his name. Uh, the creator of Scott Pilgrim to find out what's happening with the game, if it's ever going to come out. And then, you know, everyone kind of lobbied to Ubisoft and they finally re-released the game. Um, but yeah, that that's that was sort of an interesting ride. Uh, the game came, at least we got a code for the game. It was about 30-hour turnaround between the game uh, getting to us and then me actually putting a review out. So it was really short turnaround in that one. But thankfully, I'd already played the game before and um, I kind of learned to exploit it a little bit and was able to kind of level up quite quickly. Um, so I got through the game pretty quick on that one. So that was good. Um, there was a little bit of drama, though, that, that seemed to go around with another Nintendo site, which I won't go in too much. Um, but basically, with a lot of discussion about the two of the characters in the game, so Knives Chow and Wallace Wells, for those who understand the game, uh, were DLC characters in the original game. They came out after the original release and um, they're included with this version, but in order to retrieve them, you need to have an Ubisoft account to claim them. Um, when I was playing through the game, I didn't quite have immediate access to them, but I eventually did. Um, but some other people who were also had pre-release access to the game uh, had a hard time uh, accessing it or something like that or had trouble with with the fact that you have to have a Ubisoft account to, to get him. I personally didn't find any real problem with that because so many games now, um, you know, require an account to that publisher to access things, you know, like Epic does that with a lot of their stuff and Bethesda and all these other companies. So it was kind of normal for me to do that. So I didn't really comment on it. So that was an interesting sort of process on that one. Um, but yeah, the game is great. Some Something interesting about that game though is uh, Limited Run are doing PS4 and Switch physical releases for it. Mm -hmm. uh, standard sort of deluxe and then that Uber collector's edition. Um, they haven't said the number for the PlayStation 4 version, but within a little over 30 hours, they'd sold 40,000 copies of the game on Switch. That's pretty good. Wow. Which is, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and because it's not... It's literally not a limited run. It's an open-ended one. Um, it, it could go even higher. But yeah, that's how much people love this game. I think people probably did that as well for fear that the game might be taken down again at some point. Um, so I'm not entirely <laughs> sure if that would really happen anytime soon, considering the whole debacle of, of getting it out there again. But I can understand people's concern with that and wanting to get a physical copy of the game. Um, and it's a great beat-em-up game. Uh, Four-player, you can play four-player online as well. The online is a little unstable, um, but you know I managed to get a few games out of it pretty well. Um, yeah, great fun. There is a, s a pretty steep difficulty curve. Like you start out really underpowered compared to everyone else. So it's easy to get a butt whooping for the first like three or four levels unless you spend the time really leveling up your stats. Past that though, it's pretty good fun. I really enjoyed it. Highly recommend that one. Let's get into the Fortnite forecast. Uh, so between today, the day of recording, uh, January 17, and the next time we record, which will likely be January 31, um, we've got Cyber Shadow coming out on January 26. Uh, on January 28, we have Olija. 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 Uh, we also have Sword of the Necromancer and Heaven's Vault coming out. And then on January 29th, we have Atelier Riser 2, Lost Legends and The Secret Fairy. So I will, I, there's one thing about that one I want to point out. It's the first of this series has been going for 23 years now, 24 years now this year. Um, and this is the first time it's ever had a direct sequel. Wow. All right. They should have held on to that one for two more years. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't really know any of these games. So there's sort of the Necromancer. Is that? No, that has nothing to do with, with, with uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer, right? Obviously. 
No, no. <laughs> Necromancer, Necrodancer, yeah. very different. Um, Cyber Shadow is the one that Yacht Club Games are publishing. It's the love letter to, uh, you know, old school NES, uh, like Ninja Gaiden, Nin- uh, Ninja oh, yeah. Warrior, things like that. Yes. Um, and that's the one that was done by one guy. I could- and then... Uh, I, I completely forgot that that was the game. Of course, Cyber Shadow. Yes, I remember seeing that game. And now that you've said that, it's ringing all sorts of bells in my head. Oh, man, I'm so pumped now. Thank you for that, Luke. All right. It's all right. It's what I'm here for. <laughs> Getting me pumped. Let's go to Nintendo 20 questions. Let me just open up my little window over here. So I've got my facts that I can quickly run through when I need to. Um, we've, we've got time here probably for two of them. So we can definitely go with the first one, which is probably going to be an easier one for you guys. Um, we've already run Chris through this uh, about how to go through it. So don't be shy with, with any questions you might have. Yep. Guys have added Nintendo 20 questions. All right. So um, let's start off with, uh, you going down the, the sort of time frame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was it released before the year 2000? Yes. Okay. Uh, was it released on a home console? No. Trying to think now if the Game Boy Advance came out pre-2000 or post-2000. It's 2001, right? I just remember playing it at Christmas time one year, but I can't remember the year. <laughs> either way, either way, I think it has to have been 2000 at the earliest, so probably 2001. So, so that just means it's it's a Game Boy, unless he's doing like a real deep cut and going Game & Watch. Well, you said this one was a bit of an easier one, so should be a Game Boy, hopefully. Um, uh, okay, uh, was this made by Nintendo? Made by Nintendo, no. Sorry, was the game developed by Nintendo? No. Okay. The way he answered that means it might have been published by Nintendo, but well, they didn't us. make it. <laughs> we could just ask, you know, we've got we some could. questions to spare. Um <laughs> All right, was it published by Nintendo? Yes. So now I'm thinking Donkey Kong Land. Because made by Rare. I mean, it could also be any of the, the first two generations of Pokemon. It's probably not going to be because that would be way too easy. <laughs> um. uh, it, okay. Uh, was the... Hang on, let me, let me find a better, better way to word this. Was the developer of this game... Sorry, is the developer of this game still working with Nintendo? Yes. Okay, that, that eliminates Rare. You're being very quiet, Chris. We need questions. <laughs> Surely it can't be a Pokemon game. I mean, well, we could ask I'm if thinking. it was split. Mm-hmm. Were, were there multiple versions of this game released? Yes or no? Um, uh... Well, see, I'm kind of wondering, like, if it could be, like, um, the Pokemon trading card game, GBC game. I mean, I've got, um, I've got a great question that will, that will narrow it down exponentially. <laughs> Did this game make use of the Game Boy Link cable? No. That rules really okay. out all the Pokemon games. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way to do also, it. It's a very clever way to do it. And rules out Tetris. a single-player game. <laughs> Hope you're not uh, cheating okay, there, Ollie. So I saw you tap tapping away. No, I'm just I'm typing notes. <laughs> okay. Um, just so I can remember everything. Because I'm not gonna remember it otherwise. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so made made by a company that's not 
it could be like Mario Tennis for the Game Boy. Because Camelot were, were closely associated with Nintendo for a while, but they're not anymore. Mm. Um, so they're not working with Nintendo anymore? No, 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 no. They are, no, they they are, are, they are working with Nintendo. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. And read that down wrong. That's all right. <laughs> so it's a game that was made before 2000. Uh, yeah. It was not released on a home not console. A uh, it was not developed by Nintendo, but the company that made it, it still works published. with Nintendo. I mean, it could be a Kirby game. It could be a Kirby game. I was just thinking that. Uh, there was only like two handheld Kirby games before 2000, right? Uh, no, I think there was a few more than that. Didn't Kirby Kirby's- Stream Course get a Game Boy port? Or was that Dreamland? Well, the first game was Kirby's Adventures in Dreamland. Or yeah, Kirby's yeah, Adventure. There, there was definitely one on the Game no, Boy because I remember being at a friend's house and we are playing it on the Super Game Boy. Um, I mean, we, we can see if it's a Kirby game and, and knock that out because I'm, I'm, I'm honestly thinking it might be something sports-related, but... He did say earlier it might be a, a bit of an easy one, so it probably is Kirby. <laughs> Such silence. Oh, it's tough. Chris, jump in. It's tough. Save them. <laughs> Can we go genre, maybe? And yeah. Yeah, we could, we could narrow down genre. I think that's what kind of beat you guys last time, was we didn't get the genre. Uh, all right. Well, is this a sports game? No. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask one more genre question and then we sort of have to extrapolate from there. Is it a platformer? Yes. Okay. Damn, that rules out the Resident Evil port. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so it is a platformer. Unfortunately, that still doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> the Game Boy was notorious for having platformers. Well, sure, but like now we know that like it could be Kirby. For example. Yeah. And probably isn't, you know, some sort of dream course sports game. Uh, <laughs> could also be one of the Zelda games on Game Boy. Because Capcom Capcom made them, but Nintendo published them. Yeah, but they're not really platformers as such, are they? No, true. They're more adventure games. True. I mean, we, we, we can ask a question. We can burn a question and see if it stars a pink blob. I mean, <laughs> Z- Zelda was on a platform. It was on a handheld platform. So, you know. It's... Um, did, uh, do you play as a pink character in this game? No. Wait, can, can, can I just clarify this? You're not saying no because the Game Boy can't render the color pink? You're saying no because the character on the box art is pink and you don't play as that character in the game. Yeah, but then, like, the original Kirby box art was white. <laughs> he was a white boy. <laughs> so it doesn't help us anyway. <laughs> right. um, Do you play as a human? No. Okay. That's 10. 10 down. Okay. I mean, were there any Mega Man games on the on the Game Boy? 
Um, I mean, there was the Mega Man Zero series on the Game Boy Advance, but I'm pretty sure that was like 2002 onwards. So, yeah. Hmm. I mean, do the the Donkey Kong Land games? They weren't developed by Nintendo. No, they were developed by Rare. But Rare's not still working with Nintendo, so it's probably not a Donkey Kong Land game, huh? No. I mean, they, I mean, they could secretly be working with Nintendo, but <laughs> we don't know that. Um, okay, so we know it's a platformer. It's um, not a was this, character and it's not a human. Was this game made in Japan? Yes. <clears throat> okay. Uh. Man, this is really difficult. <laughs> was, was Mario and the Six Coins developed by Nintendo? But it's not a human character, so that doesn't really matter. Is Mario human? Because he's in New Donk City and he didn't match up with anyone. <laughs> I, I would classify him as human. Okay. Okay, so Game Boy or Game Boy Color era... Still working with Nintendo. Still working with who, Nintendo. Hang on, who made Donkey Kong ninety four? Oh, you asking me? I'm not oh, sure. Okay, I was going to say like, I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. But don't I don't know if you class it. I don't think that'd be classed as a platformer anyway. But um, I thought you said this was easy. <laughs> I, th- I honestly thought you would have gotten it by now. In all honesty, I would have thought you'd gotten it by now. It's it's very amusing for me. Going to be one of those things that we're like, oh, of course. <laughs> we just start burning them. It's fine. Okay. I mean, like I. I- I'm, I'm I'm honestly trying to think of what the games are now, like what what platformers were there that weren't made by Nintendo because everything's either made by Nintendo or they've got like you know it's not technically a platformer. Um, Start thinking about the actual companies who made the game, who might have made the game. Sorry. Yeah, the only the only problem I've got with that is the only ones that I know that developed games for Nintendo that they didn't publish themselves were things like ha- like Hal. And Hal did only Kirby back then. They didn't do anything else until Smash Brothers. Hmm. Well, is this part of a series that still exists or is still getting active releases? Yes. What? <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you another hint. One of the questions before has swayed you. I won't say which one, but there is a question that you asked before that has changed things. I think it's the not pink character one. Because I have a feeling it's going to be Kirby. Because, <laughs> like, what are the, like, Game Boy era platformers even still around? Well, that's, that's, why, that's why I was thinking Kirby's, because it wasn't made by Nintendo, but it was published by them. Could we narrow down, like, what you do other than platforming in the game like certain things you might collect or yep yep like that maybe all, all good things to be touching on uh, i mean is the main character known for transformations 
I think you have to re- you have to rephrase that question. <laughs> you have to rephrase that question. Does the main playable character have the ability to copy items? Yes. See, I've just now realized it could be Shanti, but that was done by Capcom. was published by Capcom, not Nintendo. So ignore that. Okay, it has to be a Kirby mm. game then. I mean, it has to be Kirby. I mean, I think it just has to be like I think it was Kirby's Adventure was the first one. I think that's what it what it has to be. I know that was for the NES though. What was the? It was Kirby's Adventures in Dreamland, right? It's or Kirby yeah. in Dreamland or something like that. Something like that. I remember. I remember the the Dreamland being on on the on the Game Boy. We could at least eliminate it by um, saying, "Is this enemy in there or not?" I'm not. Yeah, the problem with is Kirby. every Kirby game has the same enemies. Not true. And also, I probably wouldn't remember specific enemies. <laughs> <laughs> Is is the first boss fight in this game a giant tree? <laughs> yes, that's every Kirby game. <laughs> but I think it has to be Kirby's Dreamland. Like I, I don't think it could be anything else at this point. I mean, we could narrow it down and sort of ask if it's a Kirby game. We can. I mean, we've got the questions. We've got what six six to go, and then a guess. Yep, so. Six left and a guess. Okay. Go. Is is this a Kirby game? Yes. Okay, <laughs> so that like it has to be Kirby's Dreamland, or I mean, it would it could be Kirby's Dreamland DX, but like that isn't really a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's anything other than than Kirby. So I would I would say it has to be Kirby's Dreamland. Yeah, is there already comfortable with guessing that? <laughs> yeah, shoot for it. All right, is it Kirby's Dreamland? It is Kirby's Dreamland. Yes. <laughs> Good Lord, goodness that gracious! Took us way too long. <laughs> I honestly, that's what, I honestly thought you guys would have gotten that one like way earlier. So the question that yes, that you had tripped up on was asking whether or not he was pink because on the cover he is not pink, and the game is in black and white. So that's yeah. why I was like, <laughs> is he being pedantic? Because we know Kirby to be pink, but in the game, yeah. there's no pink on the Game Boy well, screen. No, because so that's why I asked the, that question. Like, on the cover, pink is really white. Yeah, on the, no, no, so, I, know yeah. th- I know that, but that's why I was like asking the, the question, like, is he is he saying no because the Game Boy can't actually render the color pink? No, so Kirby's <laughs> Dreamland was my yeah, like, first Kirby game. And when I played that, I knew him to be white until when I later on played him in Smash Brothers when he was pink. So... That was kind of the experience. And then when you asked if he like had the ability to copy people's powers and take on their forms and things like that, he doesn't do that in this game. He just swallows people's items and then spits them back out. So that's why it's kind of like, mm, yeah, okay. The, the actual character of Kirby does do that now, but in Kirby's Dreamland, he doesn't do that. Yeah. Jesus. So yeah, there's there some I think technicalities we, we, in there. <laughs> we made it much more difficult for ourselves by making an assumption of, of modern Kirby. I think the so. Yeah. Way around to get to the easy answer. Yeah. yeah. So you guys were there. You guys were hanging around there, but you're just kind of blinded by the light a little bit. I think. But you got there. In I mean, the I, 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 I'm happy that I narrowed it down pretty quickly by asking them if they, you know, was was published, was developed by Nintendo, right? Because I know, because they did a lot of those, like the Howls, the the, the Donkey, so the Kirby's, the Donkey Kong's, and the Zelda games were all developed externally from Nintendo, but Nintendo published them. So. But at the time as well, Howl wasn't owned by Nintendo, whereas now they are, aren't they? They are a second party studio. Is that right? They're a second party, but yeah, that's, that's what I mean. So they were developed 
externally from yeah. Nintendo, but Nintendo published That's right. them. That's why I initially was thinking the Donkey Kong games. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we have time for a second one. I don't think so either. If we did, I don't think we would get. That. I don't think so either. So we'll save that one. But I mean, yeah, I hope. <laughs> I hope people had a good time screaming at you guys through their headphones or something. <laughs> but you did get there. But I was very surprised by the the roundabout way. It was very entertaining. Um, it is, but it it also highlights how much games change over the years that we don't realize. Right. That's right. Yeah, especially the 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 is Kirby white or sorry pink question as well. It's a very good one. All right, uh, that about wraps up this week's Vookcast. Be sure to head to the site www.vooks.net for all your news, reviews, and everything in between. To keep up to date, follow the site on Twitter at vooks.net, all spelled out, or jump on over to our Discord at bit.ly forward slash vooksdiscord, all lowercase. Ollie, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on said Discord, because I'm there pretty much always. Um, or you can find me on Twitter, which is at chocobalt, C-H-O-C-O-B-A-L-T. What about you, Luke? Uh, they can find me. I'm also hanging around on the Discord, uh, but they can find me at Random Man Seven or over at MaxiGeek. And Chris, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Launch One. That's L A W N C H number one. Cool. And you can find me on Twitter at Mangello uh, with a zero at the end, or now at Twitch uh, at Mangello Show. No zeros in that one. Thank you all very much for listening, and we'll see you next fortnight. Bye bye.